Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. You remember last week, love was modeled, and uh, today we'll be talking about love some more. So um, I invite you. Hi, Pastor and Judy. How are you? Oh. I just got done talking about uh, Good God, Bad World. So. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> Seventh petition. Seventh petition, yes. Deliver us from evil. We're looking forward to it. Yes. <laughs> uh, are you evil? Oh, you advanced It's a rhetorical question. So that'll be exciting as well. Uh, If you would join me in a word of prayer, that would be great. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come to you in um, Bible study and to learn more about you, learn more about your son, Jesus, and all that he has done for us. Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit today that we would be um, awakened to the work of uh, your spirit in the world and in our hearts that we would be able to see more clearly um, what love is and how you have modeled that for us and how you invite us to love others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So I, I should mention I did take a table away, and I apologize for that, but it was really crowded back there with the seats in the back. So I'm working. I know you know this, most of you, but I like I like to try different configurations. So um, this is we'll, we'll try this today, and then... Next week, it'll be whatever Debbie wants, uh, however she wants it. So, <laughs> so um, I'd like to start really quickly by saying our names so that everyone knows who's in Bible study with us. So we'll start here, and we'll sneak around. Judy Bronson. Howard Bronson. Steve Quick. Sue Quick. Linda Nielsen. Jim Dalmore. Travis Mulford. No Wallace. Jemini Wallace. Oli Olson. Elizabeth Keller. Kevin Carlin. John Giffen. Janet Giffen. Harriet Lansbury. Carol Dobler. Phil Keener. Judy Keener. Very Mandoring. John Douglas. Bob Staples. Dave Staples. Dean Whitehead. Angie Whitehead. Barbara Stringer. Patrick John McDermott. Don Ward. Debbie Ward. Someone's back. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. We are going to be mainly in Luke chapter 5 today, but we're also going to be in 1 John 4. These are the readings from uh, from worship today. What? I have. People took the readings, yes. If you have the readings, um, just hold up your piece of paper so I can see, make sure that they're all out there. Okay, super. Um, Okay, so what are we looking at here? What do you think we're looking at? A fishy fixer. A fishy fixer? (laughs) Fixer. I think it's a fishy fixer. Also a fixer, right? Um, Empty fishnets. Could be dubious. Empty fishnets. Empty fishnets, okay. Obviously, Jesus is there. I mean, yes, walking on water. Yeah, Jesus is there. Okay. And they're awfully tired because they were out all night, and didn't get any fish. Yeah, they're awfully tired. Oh, it's just an illustration of the gospel today. Illustration of the gospel today, right? Um, in a very, uh, literally, an iconic way, right? Um, <coughs> thought we would just start with that to give us an idea of what um, one artist thought it would. Would look Very like. unseaworthy boat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unseaworthy boat, right? Um, 
Um, speaking of that, let me show you this other picture that I found. Um, it's kind of grainy because I had to get it off the internet. But this is an ancient boat found buried in the shores of the Sea of Galilee and dated to the first century. So that is the, right? I'm sure there was more, more to it, but still, right? A little unseaworthy, Jim. It's amazing they had aluminum in those days. <laughs> it is. <laughs> we have a proper scale on this. Seems to be about as wide as the double doors behind it. Maybe yeah, I don't have a proper scale. I there's the only, um, but if you can see it, maybe a little bit more. If you come up, you can um, just kind of see how it was constructed. Uh, yeah, pretty small. Mm-hmm. Makes railing, me wonder. Yeah, that railing is actually normal height. Yeah. Pretty, yeah, pretty small. All right. So, so let's start. Let's start with uh, Luke chapter five. Who has Luke chapter five? Um, who took the sheet of paper to read Luke chapter five? Okay. John? Yeah, you're, you're, you're first. Read the whole thing. Um, yes. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Okay, thank you. All right, so do me a favor, turn to the persons next to you or around you. What what jumps out at you first? Um, talk about that with a person near you. What are some things that kind of jumped out at you? Just from that first. I noticed that you all had something interesting up here that I had not thought of. Sue, go, go ahead. What would you like to start us with? Oh, the Simon Peter, after Jesus' act of loving kindness, was so convicted he should go away from me. Yeah. I'm a sinful being. Yeah. That, you know, his act, uh, since love is what we're talking about, the, the basis of our discussions, that it was the act of kindness and love that convicted him. Yeah, the act of kindness and love that convicted Simon Peter. Mm-hmm. And he said, go away from me, because he realizes that Jesus is... Much more holy, if not, you know, the whole, yeah. most holy. Okay? What else? You had something else over here. What, what else do you guys have? But the fact that they just walked away from all these fish, what happened to the fish? What happened to the fish? Did they put them in livelihood? Yeah, well, the, yeah, the incredible thing was here they have this great catch. Yeah. Probably worth a lot of money, and they just... 
turned their backs on it and, and gave up their livelihood and followed Jesus. I mean, think, yeah. think of us doing that today. That's, they, wow. They, they packed it in ice before they walked. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but not styrofoam. And they went to 7-Eleven and got Their wives stepped in and took over. And took over, yeah. I know Peter's very, she's probably appalled at leaving this catch. So yeah. she goes to get it herself. There you yeah. go. <laughs> There's lots of things that can happen. But interesting, not only is it that, I don't know, I really don't know. It would be interesting. Did they come back? Did they leave them there? Died? Did somebody else come again? Maybe the big crowd took them. Yeah, maybe the big crowd took them. They saved them for the fishes and loaves dinner. <laughs> there you go. But they, but they walked away from this incredible catch, right? Lots and lots of money, literally. Like it was just sitting there for them to take and, and go and sell. Interesting. How about this second row? Judy. It's interesting that Peter was willing to try once more. Yeah. He fished all night long, hadn't caught anything, had his nets clean. And mm. he did already, he did say master, so he already knew something about Christ, I believe. Mm-hmm. And maybe that persuaded him to try again because, wow. Maybe. Okay. What else? John? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin? No? No. Here. It seems like there's a possibility that Simon didn't quite trust what he was being told. Hmm. Why is that? I don't know. Oh, I mean, what, what, what gives you the impression? Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm not asking you to presuppose the mic. Because of what was said, that mm-hmm. um, Simon said, why are you asking us to go out? Because we've been out all night yeah. fishing and we didn't get any fish. Yeah. So kind of a little wary. Yeah. Still does it, but a little, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Good wonder how much cleaner they could get the nets. They've been in the lake all night and they were washing it. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. I don't know. They do two other things. Yucky well. stuff? Yeah. Lake. Yucky stuff. Yucky stuff. Yeah. John? I wonder if anybody else has had the experience that I've had more than once sharing this, not an enormous catch of fish, but I like, I like to fish hanging with a hook. In more than one occasion, God has put the fish on there way that's like, yeah, I put it there and if I didn't, you wouldn't have it and it's for me and yeah. yeah. Um, more than once when it's like just fish your heart up all day long it's like, okay, nothing going to happen today time to reel it in and bam! <laughs> you did it again okay. Yeah. yeah. Then you really know where it's from, right? If you fish a lot, then you understand no, it's not going to happen. I've spent the last yeah. years of my life doing this. I know how to do it. Yeah. I take care of my family. I do catch fish. It's not going to happen tonight. Yeah. But I'll do it for you anyhow, even though you probably don't as much about this as I do. Right. No, they're my fish. Here. Yeah. And isn't it interesting? I, I, I find, I think it's kind of funny. I've written a note to myself. Um, you know, I imagine that Peter was like, um, okay, you know, I, I did what you asked. Uh, now you think you can tell me how to fish, right? Like you, yeah. you know, uh, okay, we, we have some sort of relationship and all of a sudden and now you're telling me how to do my job, basically. Um, so, you know, maybe he didn't think that, but that would be the human response that I could have. You know, I could see saying, well, thanks for, thanks that we have a little repertoire down, you know. Now, now you feel like you can tell me what to do. Um, Kevin. Uh, the uh, interesting effect would be if you try to sell these fish, hmm. it probably overwhelms 
all of the other catches for the day, yeah. which is going to crash the rate on the <laughs> basis. So, again, so maybe they just get, walked away. You might get 10 cents on the dollar. That's true. That's but, true. Maybe they just walked away from the fish. But the people were crowding around, they just fed them. They just didn't get into feeding of the 5,000 or the That's true. Whatever. Yeah, they could have, they they, could have just yeah, taken it. They just need a few loaves to go with To the go, fish. yeah. <laughs> they could have started it. Anyone back, anyone else? First impressions. Yeah, John. I was curious about the use of the word Lord when he addressed Jesus. Yeah. How did he know he was the Lord? Yeah. And Some stranger comes and tells me where the fish is. I don't call him Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you should, but it would be funny if you did. <laughs> see, we'll see what the reaction would be. Um, that's a good question. That's a good question. Bob? Well, the Lord set it up already because he called the fish into a certain spot. So yeah. That's planning, right? Right? Yeah, we, and we don't, it, it's interesting because with this miracle, and then the one, this is very similar to another miracle that happens, right? Besides the loaves and the fishes and the feeding of the 5,000 and so on and so forth. But in John 21, after Jesus rises, what happens? Yeah, he comes upon them fishing, right? And I, I always wonder, is this like a... Huh, this has happened before, right? Um, and, and Peter recognizes Jesus, and he's in the boat, and he recognizes Jesus on the shore. Um, so you have to think, just being human, right? Like, it's got to be coming back to him again, like, oh boy. But interestingly enough, I don't think Peter's thinking about fish, right, in John 21. He's excited to see the Lord, but Jesus still provides the fish at that time, too. He's even already roasting it. Um, you know, he's not just saying, here's the fish, and then you do something with it. He's already providing for them. Kevin? If I remember the verse correctly, Peter does recognize Jesus, but only after hearing his command to yeah. the nets. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then he jumps in the water, and yeah. It means they didn't do that normally. People didn't just come by and right. say, dump your nets. Dump your nets. Yeah. <laughs> and if they did, you'd wonder, yeah, why they were doing that. Janet? Well, if you look back in Chapter 4, Jesus must have had a good reputation because he's been healing mm-hmm. and preaching in the synagogues. So his his reputation was probably, I mean, Simon Peter might not have just seen him or, you know, had right. worked with him or anything, but he mm-hmm. must have recognized what the reputation he had was. Right. So yeah, so there is some sort of, there is some sort of recognition. I think that gets to John, your question. If you look back, if you have your Bibles with you, in four thirty-eight, um, after Jesus was in the synagogue, he went to the home of Simon, maybe Simon Peter, right? We, we tend to think that um, his mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. Jesus uh, heals her, right? So so there's probably some sort of recognition here that that Simon Peter has. Um, he's not yet called as a disciple. This is this is that act, right? This is the exciting part for him. Um, but he certainly Jesus has a reputation, and um, yeah, is is known is known to people. All right. Any other first impressions before we keep? Yes, Debbie. Um, Sally, the Debbie. Just a ge- geographical thing. Yeah. Doesn't sound travel over water. Yeah. Better. I was just wondering if maybe that was Jesus' idea and putting the boat out a little bit so that then his voice could, could carry. Yeah, it could carry. Um, yes, practically, most likely, right? That it would be easier for him to project over water. Sort of a natural microphone. 
Yeah, sort of an actual microphone. And um, by teaching the crowd from the boat, right, Jesus begins to model, model the metaphor of fishing for people. He's already in the boat, right? He's, he's, showing, he's showing the disciples, to, to be disciples, what he's going to be asking them to do. I really love this passage. It does, you know, we're talking about this because we're talking about what is love. And so there's a, there's a purpose to what Jesus is doing here. Um, but I really love looking at it and seeing kind of how Jesus unfolds this entire, this entire uh, account. So if you look, um, go to verse 1 and 2. So Jesus is teaching, right? He's standing by the lake. Um, people are crowding around him. Uh, I don't know how many of you have ever tried to get people's attention in a crowd, uh, but if people are really close, then the people who are right in front of you are getting shouted at, right? Yeah. I kind of, I like it into kind of middle school ministry. Um, you know, when there's a lot of, I always say, come closer, and then there are the kids who come, like, and stand right here, like, too close. <laughs> close, but not that close. Uh, and then the kids in the back can't hear. Same thing, right, that you have here. So Jesus is, they're, they're all coming here. Um, notice what, what happens here. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. What is the first thing that Jesus does in, in demonstrating love to, to them? What's the first thing? He saw, right? He noticed. Many times, love is shown just by noticing someone or noticing where people are in their lives. So he saw at the water's edge two boats left there. The fishermen aren't there, right? They're over there watching their nets. And so we notice here that the first thing that Jesus does is notice people. He notices that something is going on here, and he sees the two boats, and he decides to act. He got into one of the boats. It doesn't say that he first asked, right? Uh, He he got into one of the boats, um, and the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to be put out a little from shore. So first of all, he's just kind of, he's just kind of moving into the boat, right? Interesting. Uh, I don't know what it would be like, but my guess is, is that that's your livelihood. Uh, and so people probably don't just go around getting into other people's homes. Uh, you think? I, I don't know. <laughs> to me, that would be like, hey, you know, but he kind of has this re- relationship with Jesus. Um, he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat, which is showing us how in 510, um, when he calls James and John as well, Simon's partners, he's showing them that they're going to be fishing for men and fishing for people. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid from now and you will fish for people. So Jesus is showing them at the beginning how this is going to look. They just don't know it yet. And this is what I mean by I love how Jesus unfolds this. He does so, right, going back to last week's word in love, he does so by modeling it for them. Even when they don't know, that's what he's doing. To me, I, that's something that I just love about Jesus. Uh, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Maybe that was sort of a thank you for letting him preach from his boat. Maybe. <laughs> Interesting, right? Let's, let's go out and catch some fish. Thank you for letting me preach to the people yeah. Maybe. on shore. He and, uh, chartered the boat to preach. He chartered the boat, yes. <laughs> yes. I like and he that. paid in fish. And he paid in fish. <laughs> Interesting, though, right? Yeah, He and this is where I think it's kind of funny where, you know, Peter could be like, all right, I did what you asked. I wrote you out here. Now you're going to tell me to... 
Okay, but no, let down the nets for a catch. Not to go fishing for a catch. Jesus is expecting, Jesus knows that he can call the fish, right? That he can fill those nets. But what is he what is he modeling to Peter here? Faith. Faith? Their future. Their future um, job. Yeah, their future job. Evangelism. Evangelism? Sure. When Jesus is when Jesus gives the instruction, and Jesus is the one calling. <laughs> He's expecting that he's going to fill the nets, right? Jesus expects he's going to fill the nets. Peter doesn't. (laughs) Peter clearly doesn't, right? He says, Master, we've worked hard all night. I mean, just kind of imagine that for a second. Like, you want us to do what? We've worked hard all night. They've got to be tired. They want to go home. I want to go to bed. I want to go to bed. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so. And I don't know if Jesus is expecting him just to, you know, this to be his response. But I love that Peter doesn't even know that a miracle is going to come. But he's trusting that because Jesus says so. Either because he respects Jesus, or because Jesus healed his mother-in-law, or because whatever, whatever Jesus was preaching about, he could have been encouraged to say, well... You've been telling people all this stuff, so I'm going to do it. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. I want you to to stick that in the back of your mind for the end of our our time together. Um, When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Who has has, um, Matthew? John, can you read our Matthew passage? Matthew 14, 22, 30. Jesus walks on the water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Thank you. All right, so hold that in your minds. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats, so they began to sink. So Peter and water, right? <laughs> Peter and water. So both boats begin to sink. Have you ever been on a sinking boat? Yes. Yes. And what's that fear? Was it? Oh. Is it fear? Is it oh, yeah. yeah. It's fear, right? What's now? We don't know how far out they were, but still, if you've ever been on a boat that's been going down, right? It can be very. It can be scary. Or turning over. It can be scary. Going back to our Matthew passage, what does Peter do? Now, this is 
remember that this is later, right, when Jesus walks on water. But Peter has this experience with water and Jesus and boats. And, and Peter says, if you tell me to come, if you tell me, Jesus, right, I will, I will get out of the boat. And what does Jesus say? Come, right? So he's walking, he's walking, he's walking. He looks around. He becomes afraid, right? He becomes afraid. And Jesus grabs onto him immediately. At the end of our time in this passage in Luke, Jesus also says, don't be afraid. Jesus is always telling the disciples, what? Don't be afraid. Why is he telling the disciples, don't be afraid? They're afraid, right? (laughs) Yeah, naturally afraid. I think what is amazing about this is that so many of us are worried about how to share Jesus with others. If we're really honest, we're, we're afraid of it. We're afraid at some point in our, in our being that we're going to be rejected, that someone's going to, they're going to ask us a question that we don't know the answer to, that they're going to say, well, you used to live like this, and now you live like this. How can you, how can you be that same person? People were afraid to do the act of going out and casting the nets. But so were the disciples. Jesus is always telling them not to be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm not a ghost. Don't be afraid, Peter. Get up out of the water. Have some faith here, right? Don't be afraid. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you fishers of people. It's amazing to me how Jesus always tells them not to be afraid. One time I Googled it. It was a while back. But the phrase, fear not, yeah. appears very frequently throughout the Bible. Yeah. And especially in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. I think that's amazing because it shows us that God... God's not, he's not um, unaware of our fear, right? And, and he's not uh, unsympathetic to it either. He, when he comes and he lives on this earth, he keeps telling his followers not to be afraid. To me, that's a great word of comfort because there's so much that we have to be afraid of. It's, Jesus is always telling them, though, not to be afraid of following him. Engaging in what he's asking them to do. I think that's pretty. I think it's pretty interesting that the start of their discipleship journey starts like that, though. Yes. I just googled it. See, yes. It appears, interestingly enough, three hundred and sixty-five times. There you go. Leap year, you get a leap year. Yeah, you can get a carry. You get an extra carry. Three hundred sixty-five times. That's amazing, John. Well, the other thing comes to mind that for both the passage for today and, and this other is it's a matter of trust. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have faith in you, but I'm also going to trust that whatever you ask me to do or tell me to do, yeah, that, that it's going to work out. Yeah, yeah. So I should have trust rather than fear. Yeah, and not not um, not work out the way that right we think it's going to all the time. Um. I just don't know what Peter was thinking, but I can't imagine that he was thinking that the boats were going to start to sink because they would have so much fish in them. So many fish, right? He maybe maybe thought, okay, he could provide, right? Maybe he could. I don't know. He's a pretty, pretty amazing guy. But God is doing bigger things all the time. 
Anything else on this? I think, I think boatmen do have a pretty good idea as to how much more they can load in when they're on, when they're on the water. It's really part of the game. Yeah, they have to know, right? They have to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Otherwise, you lose more ships that way. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. If they know, and even then, they, they would be able to know. Debbie? I think it's um, sometimes I lose track of the fact that Jesus has really God. Mm-hmm. And so I think here we have the Creator God, who is the Lord of creation. Yeah. Right here in the yeah. flesh. Yeah. Um, you know, operating to bring fish, operating mm-hmm. to calm the water, operating to overcome yeah. creation. Yeah. And he has a relationship with his creation, right? There's, there's a relationship there. It's not, yes, he can command it, but he can command it because he created it. And he can tell the winds to be calm. And I wonder, <laughs> I know, well, I don't know. I don't know if fish actually have conscious thought, whether we know or not. But like, all right, here we go. Our time is coming. You know, the, the creator's calling. We're going to jump into this net, you know. Um, yeah, and it's just interesting. He, he can say, you know, come. And he doesn't have to say it. He's just calling them however he does in this miracle. We don't know how it happens. We just know it's a miracle. John, did you? I just kind of second what Kevin said from my short time in the Coast Guard. They deliberately put more than the boat can hold to try to make a little more profit and gamble on whether or not it'll be like a swimming pool when they try to go home. Mm. Uh, they die in Alaska every year yeah. trying to get a few more king crabs to your table. I want to make more profit. Mm-hmm. And if, if this is the safe amount, and I can go this much more because I'm me and I'm a guy and I can do it and, and nobody can at yeah. But they, they do that. I'm sure these guys are saying it's like it's 50 yards to shore. Yeah. If I row really hard, I can get there before it finishes sinking. Yeah. And I can make more money. And yeah. They do. But they do, right? They still know. You still know when you're overloading your boat. Mm-hmm. You don't do that in the Navy, though, right, John? No. Can't do that. Um, all right. So we get to Simon Peter when he saw this, saw all the fish, fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Um, Jesus always takes the imperfect, right, to, to use and to cultivate and to reach for his purposes. So he takes Peter, who even here recognizes that he is an imperfect person. And he's not ready, Peter's not ready to know what everything he's going to be doing, but he recognizes that he is in the presence of somebody who is great, that somebody who is more perfect than he is. And he recognizes this. Now what Jesus can do is is work with him, right? He can transform him, he can mold him, he can encourage him, he can rebuke him, right? He rebukes him, he can disciple him, he can encourage him, because Peter starts from a posture of knowing who God is. Of knowing who God is and who and who he's and who Peter himself is. So I think it's interesting, Linda, I think you said that or Sue, one of you at the very beginning, right? That that Peter understands that he is not perfect, but that Jesus is in this situation. And Jesus still calls him into that. I think there's hope for us, right? There's hope for us in this, to know that we recognize that we are not perfect, and that Jesus still calls us into into discipleship. 
For he, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. What is he saying don't be afraid to here? Oh, just the greatness of everything. Just the, the mystery of it. Yeah. yeah. And even Moses had to work up to even being near the Holy of Holies. So. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Okay. <laughs> so they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Quite literally. Okay. Okay, Jesus. Yep. Right? By that point, sure. I'll give it a shot, right? I put out the boat. I did that. You, you provided. And, um, yeah. Interestingly enough, um, <clears throat> so Jesus... Jesus is always doing something not wrong, right? He's God. He does it differently. Uh, wrong for maybe the day um, and the customs of the day, but differently. So in that day, now Jesus wasn't a recognized rabbi, but when you had a rabbi and you were a disciple or you were to be a disciple, you normally chose the rabbi you wanted to go with. You still had to be accepted, right? You had the, the rabbi, you couldn't just be like, I'm going to go follow that guy and be fine with it. You still had to be, but, but there, was a, there was a, you know, conversation about it. You, as the disciple, could, could choose to, to, I'm going to use the word apply. It's not that, it wasn't like that, but to say, I wanted to follow you. But Jesus, instead, what does he do? Yeah. He calls that. And he calls them, and I know we've talked about this before in different Bible studies, but if they were fishermen, what were they not? They're not educated. Yeah, past a certain point, right? Not educated past a certain point. They were fishermen. They were not going to be scholars. Yeah. To me, I think it's interesting that Jesus comes in into a different part of their lives, right? Not the plan that they were on. <clears throat> Steve. God always picks the most unlikely. Yeah. When yeah. you think about it. I mean, yeah. David. David. Shrimp a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Did you say Sir Shrimp a lot? The Shrimp of the Lot. Oh, the Shrimp of the Lot. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It passes over all the other brothers, right? Yeah. Who, who clearly probably thought that they would have been, you know, if you were going with the custom of the day. They would have been chosen first. But Jesus does something different here. He comes in in a different point in their lives where they're already engaged in what they're doing. And he says, we're going to do something different now, folks. You know, I'm, going to, I'm calling you to follow me. So if you ever think that you're too far, right, or someone is too far past the grace of God, past the call of God, look to this story. There's just, there's just no case for that, right? God can come in at any point and say, hey, you're going to go fish for people now. What they tell their wives? I mean, obviously he was married because there was a mother-in-law yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And they say, see you later, dear. Um, I left the fish to rot on I'm the shore. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, no well, wonder the husband was a provider 
Yeah. 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 Well, you have to go. Time. You're you're going to have to go get a job now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably not Fisher. Fisher woman. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, they traveled around. You know, they come back to the same places. So, um, you know, and they spend time uh, in in the, their hometown. So. But that would be an interesting conversation. <laughs> if you think back to when we did on um, Case for Christ, right? When we were doing the Case for Christ, and uh, Lee Strobel's wife came home and said, you know, I, I went to church. You know, and he's like, what do you mean he went to church? And everything, everything that they knew got flipped upside down. You know, it's kind of one of those, kind of one of those things. All right. Let's take a moment to pause from here, and we're going to go over to First John. Who has our First John readings? Okay, Travis. Uh, four, seven, and twelve. Uh, four, seven, and twelve. Yeah. Who has the thirteen? Or does anybody have the next part? Of it? Okay. So go God's forward. love and ours, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone. Who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Thank you. All right, I'm going to pick up with verse 13. This is how we know, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Okay, so our reading from Luke and our reading from 1 John, what are we, what are we putting together here with love? What are we putting together here with love? It's a verb. Thank you, Sue. Yes. <laughs> People with like 15 verbs and adjectives last week. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a verb, it's action. What else? Then what did you say? God is love. God is love, right? Not God has love, right? God is love. 
There's a difference, isn't there? God does also possess love. I mean, he can love, he, he has loved us, right? But he is love. There's a difference there. To know that when you look at God, when you hear about God, that it, he just is. He just is love. What else? What else do we see about love? God's choice to love us. Yeah, God's choice to love us. Yeah. John? And there's an imperative or command here that sort of says, if we love God, we must also love brothers. Yeah. So it says that we have to love others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we, do we have a choice? Or we don't have a choice? We're, we're being told. Yeah. Okay, Jim? God doesn't love us because we're worthy. He loves us because he chose to, despite our lack of love for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If God waited for us to love him, how much love would be enough? Right? If God had a measuring stick, would it be by day? Would it be by lifetime? Yeah. Did you ever get there? You know, whatever that is. Thank the Lord that he doesn't have that, you know, he's not waiting for us to love him, to love us back. What else? What else do we see about love here? Um, Debbie. Yeah, I know that in this, my Bible, and I think the other one, um, that we keep getting this dear friends, Mm -hmm. dear friends Mm -hmm. um, address. But doesn't it, isn't that, isn't Beloved also one of the translations? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I noticed that you all haven't been to church yet, but Pastor Harmon uses that at yeah. the very end of the service, and I love that. So yeah. Old, old girl, we had a pastor who always called us Beloved. Oh, yeah. And I've never forgotten that, and I, you know, I just thought everybody got to hear that. Yeah. And um, so it's, I guess Dear Friends is an adequate Translation, but it's not quite the same. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not quite the same. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Dearly loved, beloved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jen. Well, I like the fact that it's a present tense. God is love, mm-hmm. just like Jesus is risen. We don't mm-hmm. say has risen. Right. He is risen. Yeah. And it's an ongoing, forever kind of a, a verb, I guess. You yeah. Say. Yes. <laughs> that yes. type of thing. But yeah. <clears throat> it also brings it to our present. Time, yeah, this, this moment, not something in the past. Yeah, I love that. I, I can see it on a sometimes I think of pictures and on a timeline, right? Mm-hmm. It just continues going, right? Yeah, all the way up there's through. no beginning and no end. Yeah, no, notice here we, we have that fear again, right? There's no fear in love. Jesus is always telling his disciples, Don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's no catch, right? I mean, there's a catch, but there's no, there's no uh, quid pro quo here. You're not going to owe me anything um, if I if I love you. You will then be called to love others, but there's nothing that you can do to earn my love. Okay. So, so God shows us in the Luke passage that when He is going to these to be disciples, he's doing it on purpose, right? He's not, it's not stumbling, he's not stumbling into them and saying, oh, maybe these guys, right? 
He actually sets out to purposely look for them and to call them into this relationship with him. In the first John passage, we see how purposeful love is here, right? We've been talking about love for a couple weeks now, and we've talked about spiritual gifts two weeks ago, and then love and light of spiritual gifts last week. And love is always an action. It's always an action. It's not something you can just, you know, wander into. Um, and the love of God is like that, too. It seeks us out, right? It calls us to him. It's not something that everyone gets to hear all the time, Debbie. I think about that, you know, that you thought everybody always, who doesn't hear that you're beloved by God, you know? Not everybody does hear that. And how sad that is, right? But it's a purposeful kind of love. One other thing that I wanted to touch on today is that Jesus is telling Peter to do something normal for what he's doing, right? Jesus is meeting Peter in his normal activity. Jesus meets you in your normal activity. Jesus meets you where you are. He doesn't wait for Peter to do something else. He goes to him and he uses the circumstances of which he finds Peter and he calls him into a discipleship. Whether, I mean, Peter, they didn't catch any fish, but we think that Peter knows how to fish, right? He knows how to fish. But notice what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't come in and jump right into the call here. Back in, back in Luke, he has seen them. Most likely they weren't catching anything, right? He invites them into his ministry. First, as the boat chauffeur, right? He's, he, or I don't know what you call somebody who drives a boat just to, you know. I try to make it sound fancy, right? First he calls them into the ministry. Yes. <laughs> captain, the boat the captain. captain. Yeah. Um, first he invites them into the ministry to say, come and do this with me. And then the next step is, um, he says, okay, now you're going to be fishing for people. It's a, it's a progression here. It's a pretty fast progression, right? So there's a progression. So why might God be engaging you in something that you're doing? How might God be engaging you in something that you're doing? Imagine saying yes to God when he asks you to row the boat. Whatever that boat is. Whatever that normal activity is for you, imagine if you said yes to God. Look at what happens when Peter says yes to Jesus. Even if a little bit begrudgingly, right? Even a little bit warily. What happens? His whole life changes. I kind of think he's saying, I would be honored, is how that would translate Mm. that feeling. Yeah. So imagine saying yes to God when he tells you to do something normal, like putting down your net, like rowing your boat, putting down your net. How might God be engaging you to be fishers of people? You don't have to answer that. I just want that to sit with you. So when we talk about fishing for people... So in in this natural sense, it's no blessing for a fish to be caught in order to be killed and eaten. (laughs) It's their purpose, right? It's their purpose. It sounds a little weird, though, when we're fishing for people. 
Um, but the Greek verb here used to fish more literally means to capture alive. Jesus' choice of this metaphor is suggested by Simon's actual occupation. But the sense is presumably that just as Jesus is now summoning Simon to follow him, Simon, in turn, will bring others to share in the blessings of salvation. One more time. Presumably that Jesus is summoning Simon to follow him, so Simon, in turn, will bring others to share in the blessings of salvation. Catching fish is a skill requiring training, experience, and patience, and so is evangelism. What higher form of love can we have for others than inviting them into the salvation story? We don't force it on people. We don't change hearts. The Holy Spirit does that. But where is God calling you to just let down your net and to do what you do as you follow him? encourage you to think about and pray about that this week. All right. Any prayer requests today? Steve. <coughs> Neighbor of ours. Yes. Uh, Ray McLeod. Okay. We had him in our house, him and Judy, uh, what, maybe a couple of weeks ago. He was down in South Carolina uh, visiting, getting ready to visit his mom in the hospital, and a car hit him, flipped him up in the air, and he didn't make it. Oh. And his wife, Judy, witnessed the whole thing. Oh. So they need tons of prayer. Yeah, they do. And they were, he was such a sweet guy. Yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that. And a fellow Air Force guy. Okay. Yeah. And we knew a lot of the same people. It was, yeah. Oh, how horrible for his yeah. wife, too. Yeah. Okay. And Judy, right? Judy. Judy, okay. Anybody else? Our daughter-in-law, uh, Linda, uh, her brother, passed away last mm-hmm. week. And so now she is the last of the siblings, oh. and she's distraught about that. I bet. Mm-hmm. That can be very difficult. Yeah. Our state. 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 Our it continues to be a mess. Yeah, it's holding us. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Well, we're going to go visit our brother-in-law. He just had knee surgery. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, he has cellulitis now in the same knee, with, and they think it's mercy. Oh, it's really no, really? Bad thing. Yeah, so. okay. His name is Dan. Okay. We're thankful that our granddaughter called last, texted last night, and said she was accepted in the all-state chorus. Woo! She didn't expect to be accepted, but she was. And so was Richard. Yeah, Richard Bailey. Yeah, he he did not he did not expect to hear his name called. He said he was very surprised. So Carolina, Carolina. Yeah, Richard Maley, one of our, our high school interns who does our announcements and our prayers, he, he too is uh, accepted into all state uh, chorus, and he also got into Concordia St. Paul. So, yes, which would have been 
It would have been weird if he didn't. Uh, so we told him we would have gone out there and had a conversation. <laughs> Thankfully, we didn't have to. So yeah, which is super exciting, though. I'm uh, super excited that I always wanted to go to CSP Concordia St. Paul, and the Lord never led me there. Um, I also wanted to be in outdoor ministry, uh, which. I'd say now, thankfully, the Lord never led me there because most of the Loma camps have, um, and also because I'm here, but also because a lot of the camps have, have closed. Uh, so I'm really excited that he's going there. <laughs> All right. Anyone else? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for um, the ability to love uh, because you loved us, Lord. Thank you that you don't wait for us to love you to show us love. Um, Lord, this week... We pray for those on our hearts and our minds, those that we've not named, Lord, um, that we hold close, we lift them up to you. Um, And Lord, for those that need your love, we ask that um, we would be your hands and feet and your heart to them, and that you would send others uh, to be that for them as well. Lord, we pray um, for uh, Linda's brother, who, um, for Linda really, Lord, who is now the last surviving sibling, we ask that you would be with her and encourage her and Um, send your love to surround her. Um, Father, we ask that you are with um, Raymond's wife, Judy. Uh, Lord, that he would be um, living with you and that he would be held close to you uh, even now in his new life with you. But Lord, we ask that you would send um, the quicks and others to surround her with your care and your compassion and your love. Lord, for Dan and for all of his um, troubles, Lord, and for my dad, actually, um, too, with similar situations, Lord, that you would place your healing hand upon them both. Um, And Lord, for our state, for the Commonwealth of Virginia, we ask that you would do something, um, do something that would lead people who love you um, and who have your heart to, um, to bring reconciliation to those in our leadership. Father, change the tide of the way things are going. Um, Lord, let us be gentle in the way we speak and compassionate as well. And Lord, for Carolina and all, and Richard and all others, Lord, who made um, all state, we thank you, God, that you've given them hearts and voices to praise you no matter where they're singing. Um, Lord, for all these prayers, we lift them up to you and entrust them to your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and his people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.